On Sundays, we're marching through the Bible in 1 Corinthians. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going through 1 John. And, uh, and here's, here's my aim right here. My aim is to get the Bible in you so that you know what Jesus likes, you know what he's about, and your relationship with him can grow because of it. Uh, and then when you have these thoughts, um, like I, I, I distinctly remember I was talking with somebody a few years ago and, and I said, man, I, I just feel like, you know, God's mad at me. He's disappointed at me. This was years ago. And uh, there was a, a lady that God just put in my life. She looks at me and she goes, Frankie, God's not like that. And I never forgot that. She goes, Frankie, God's not like that. And see, when, when you know the scriptures, you know what he's like. You know that he's not a punishing God. You know that he's full of mercy. He's full of grace. And, and you're, we're able to worship him with so much more passion and sincerity. Yeah. See, here's the thing that, that, um, that I'm, I'm keeping cognizant as I prepare the sermons each week. Is that we live in a culture where people are wanting God to be exactly the way they want him to be. And not the way he is. Um, and that it, you and I get frustrated when people do that to us, right? It's like, look, I, 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 this is how I am. You know, stop trying to change me. Has anyone ever said that before? Stop trying to change me. The reality is, is that so often, and I hear this on TV a lot, where people say, well, I just believe that God is da da da. Well, look, this is how God is and let's learn about him and worship him and when we find out what he likes and we find out how he is the relationship can be so much better I'll give you a quick example the Bible says that he opposes the proud um, and so John why don't you come on up here real quick but when I think about opposes uh, I think about linemen in the NFL uh, in an NFL football game how they line up at the line and they oppose each other and, and that's what the Bible says that he opposes the proud. And so literally, if you can imagine, down, set, hut, when we're, God is opposing all the proud people, you're trying to move forward, but you can't because the God of the universe, not an NFL football player, the God of the universe is standing in their way. A proud person. What is a proud person? A proud person says, look, I know what I want and I know what I'm going to do. And God, I'm just, you're just going to have to be okay with that because I'm going to do what I do. And what will happen is God opposes these types of attitudes and these types of people. On the flip side... The Bible says in the same verse that even though he opposes the proud, he lifts up the humble. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Now, what does a humble person look like? A humble person looks like this. God, you see every day. I tend to make mistakes. You see, as hard as I try sometimes, the harder I try sometimes, the worse I mess up. But I want you to know that I love you. And in spite of the fact that I mess up a lot, I love you and I pursue you with my whole heart. You know what the Bible says? That he literally raises you up. And while other people that may be more talented than you, wiser than you, may have more money than you, they will be opposed 
while you are being raised up. That's just one scripture that we're talking about. Isn't that awesome? So put your hands together for that. In, in a, in, so that is my, my passion, is to unpack the scriptures in such a way that it becomes very applicable and inviting. Um, I'm going to have a, a transparent moment here for a second. Um, I don't like it when people don't like me. Like, it bothers me. There's some people that it's just like, you know, it's like water off a duck's back if they don't like them. But for me, it ruins my whole day. You know, it bothers me when somebody doesn't like me. And so I, I want all of you here, how's this for transparency? Um, I want you to like me a lot. <laughs> I really do. I want you to like me, but watch this, watch this. I don't want you to like me so bad that I'm willing to not talk about certain things in the Bible. I don't want you to like me that bad. Does that make sense? And so I just feel like the more we learn about the Bible, the greater our relationship with God is, the more exciting we are about God. Because watch this. Has anyone here ever made somebody mad and then that person decided to freeze you out? Don't point, okay? If you're being froze out right now, I feel awkward. Um, but a freeze out is when you don't talk to somebody for like a day, two days, three days, four days, five days, five years. You know, that's a freeze out. Isn't it so nice that whenever we make a mistake and we come before God and we say we're sorry, that God doesn't freeze us out. Amen. He doesn't stand up there and go, you know what? That's like number 52. I'm so done with you here. That's not how God is. God is, in fact, he actually said this. Jesus said this. How many times should, should somebody be forgiven? Try 77 times 7. Pull out your iPhone and work that out. That's a lot. And that's just warming up. His mercy is endless. That's how much he loves you. And so we've got to unpack the scriptures, know the scriptures well, because the, the, the culture of today, they want to just make Jesus the way they want him. But Jesus is better than the way they want him. He's better than that. He, he's awesome. Um, uh, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about game changers. And uh, I've got a football here, and, and, and uh, when I was putting this message together, I was thinking about Johnny Manziel. Um, uh, I am an Aggie fan. Any Aggie fans here? Any Aggie fans here? Absolutely. Um, even if you are an Aggie fan, uh, you, you won't enjoy hearing this, but the truth is the truth. Before Johnny showed up, there was like five years of like, cricket, cricket, cricket. And then Johnny showed up, and it was like a complete game changer. Um, he was just a phenomenal quarterback. And so, um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, that, that, that ball had a little wobble to it, but go ahead and go ahead and throw it back. There we go. Yeah, neither one of us. That, that had more of a wobble here. Uh, you know, there we go. You look like you can catch good. I knew it. All right, go ahead and... <laughs> so you can... Oh, geez, he didn't even stand up. My goodness. Um, my goodness, you know what? The Texans have their tryouts coming up. <laughs> We're looking for a quarterback right now. Um, but when, when there's a game changer, everything changes as soon as that athlete gets in the game. 
the game changes. And, and Paul, in this chapter, he talks about four different individuals, four game changers. And uh, I want to talk about them. So here we go. The first game changer that we're going to talk about is a visionary. The second game changer is a mature person. Third one is a creator. And then the fourth one is a wise person. So here's a visionary. A visionary is a person who plans for the future with creativity and wisdom. Okay? He plans for the future with creativity and wisdom. That is a visionary. And so he talks about a visionary here. So let's just unpack the first verse, uh, first couple verses. Uh, Chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse number 1. Paul reads like this. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. This is what he's saying. Here I am uh, in the church of Corinth, and I'm teaching you, but I'm having to teach such elementary things. Everything has got to be elementary because that's the level that you're on. And But there is so much more. There's so much more than what I have to teach you. If you're taking notes today, would you write this down? Spiritual boredom is a reflection of spiritual craving. Anytime you're bored with God, bored with church, bored with the Bible, anytime you're bored, what you're really saying is, I'm bored with what I have, I need more. I'm I'm bored with the level of God that I've experienced. I need more. So the Bible isn't boring. Church isn't boring. Um, The preacher isn't boring, right? Right? Just just work with me. Throw me a bone. Uh, The the, the preacher isn't boring. The reality is, is that you're just craving more. If all of us go to a first grade class this Monday... Well, not this Monday, we're in summer, uh, summertime, but if you go to a first grade class, you hear the teacher saying, everybody spell red, R-E-D. Hopefully, all of you are very bored. Hopefully. If she says, let's all spell brown, B-R-O-W-N. Hopefully, we're very bored with these questions. I'm not going to continue to give examples because I'm bound to mess up. But at the reality, hopefully, we're bored. Why? Because it's so elementary. Paul is saying this. There's so much more. But this is a critical moment here. This is a very critical moment. And this is why. When you're on that tipping point where you're kind of bored with God and kind of bored with church, you can almost go either way. See, on one way, you can kind of just slide into boredom. On the other side, you can begin to pursue because you've got to have more because you're so bored. Um, I was reading this study 
uh, about a, a barracuda. Anyone here ever seen a barracuda before? Um, barracudas, uh, they, they um, now's a good time to put the barracuda up. There we go. Um, a, a barracuda, these guys will chew things alive. I mean, without even thinking about, oh, I mean, they are, they're just um, aggressive. Um, their favorite meal in the entire ocean is, is something called a Spanish mackerel. Uh, they love these things. Well, these group of scientists grabbed a, a barracuda or took a barracuda, however they got the barracuda, into this big tank. And they put a Spanish mackerel in the tank with it. And uh, without the barracuda or the Spanish mackerel realizing it, they put a piece of glass halfway through the tank. Well, the barracuda started swimming towards the mackerel. The eyes were, his eyes were, her eyes were just huge, flying, and then smash right into this glass wall. Boom! The barracuda circled around, got all the way back, got a running start, and started going as fast as he could again. The Spanish mackerel, like, the barracuda once again hit the glass wall. Bam! Circled around. Did it again. Bam! Circled around. Bam! Circled around. Bam! The, the, the barracuda was getting bruised all on his face from every different direction. Finally, the barracuda got so tired of not getting what he was trying to get that the barracuda just quit. Couldn't understand why he couldn't get it, but just quit. Without the barracuda realizing it, they pulled the glass out of the tank. But do you know that that Spanish mackerel could swim wherever it wanted? It could swim all the way up to the barracuda. And the barracuda never reached out again to eat the Spanish mackerel because he had it in his head that he can't get it. And so he just stopped. Don't you know that some of us here, we reach out for more of God. We desire for more of God. And if it doesn't happen in a New York second, then we just kind of back up and we stop trying. And before you know it, our interest begins to fade. Here's the reality of the matter, is that God wants to be pursued. He wants to be desired. The Bible says this, if you knock, the door will be open unto you. It, here's the reality. He wants that. And so I want to challenge us today as a visionary. Let's just back up and say to ourselves, look, I want to experience more. I desire more. I'm getting Bored with what I have. Raise your hand if you've been to church more than a hundred times. Go ahead, or more than a hundred times. Wow. You can get bored very, very easily. But when you entertain the presence of God, it gets so wildly amazing. Number two, after he talks about the visionary, he begins to talk about mature people. What is a mature person? A, a mature person is, is a person who is constantly developing, always in the process of developing. So here we go. Um, he begins to say in verse number three, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. So Paul is talking to a church and he goes, guys, You've given your life to Jesus, but you're still acting the way you were before you started going to church, before you gave your life to Jesus. What's going on with that? 
So he says this. He goes, and then he starts making a list. He goes, you're jealous of one another, and you quarrel with each other. means you're always arguing. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, now they're going to try to argue on who's more holy. I'm a follower of Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting just like people of the world? And so what he's saying here is he's saying, come on. Stop arguing with each other. Stop being so jealous of one another. Come on, let's mature. Let's get to the next level. Let's begin to shake this stuff off. Now watch this. For me, for me, anytime something comes across my world or my radar and um, I, I feel myself getting angry, for example, um, I can tell that my maturity level is about to be defined. Uh, whatever it is that you may or may not struggle with, when it comes onto your radar, your maturity level is about to be defined. Here's a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I, I thought as a child. I even reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Like, I, I don't argue like I used to argue. I don't, like, come on, I'm an adult, my goodness. And the same things that used to tempt us so easily when we were 16, 17, at this stage of the came. It shouldn't be as easy. And so every time something comes up, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a contractor come to uh, my house a couple weeks ago and uh, did a whole bunch of work. And um, uh, my neighbor has this uh, magnet. Um, and there's my neighbor right there. Doc, why don't you stand up? This is, my, this is Papa Doc. Go ahead and stand up. He's been skipping church for like three weeks, so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. My wife hasn't been to church in three weeks. She's... It's true. She's been in Canada, spending time with her family. Yeah, okay. All right. So anyway, um, so I've got one of the best neighbors in the world. My, my kids call him Papa Doc, and he's got this magnet that's on two wheels, and he starts walking around my house after the contractors left. And the, and the magnet sounded like there was a pack of black cats in there because it was like, pop, 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 pop picking up nails like crazy. Pop, 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 pop. Picked up, how many of the first one? 300 and, 336 nails or something like that. Pop, 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 pop. Now, um, we have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 20-month-old, right? She went very good. <laughs> the bar's low in my family. Um, and a 20-month-old just learned how to walk. Picked up 350 nails. And we paid this guy. Paid him well. Did a good job. The job was done. 350 nails. I'm burning with anger. The next day, we grab the same magnet, and we walk around the house again. How many times, how many did we get the second time? Like 160 or 160 nails. Now these nails are like this big. Bah, 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 160 nails. Did I mention I have a 20-month-old? One nail through her tiny little foot, it goes right through. 
Another 160. We walk around a third day. Another 75 nails. I'm in my car driving to an appointment or something. I get to thinking about the fact that we just we have a box of almost 500 nails, maybe more, more than 500, 500 nails. I'm driving in my car, and I'm getting so mad that I'm getting sweaty. Have you ever been that mad before? <laughs> now I'm so angry. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. It's not about me. I've got three kids who play in the grass all day long. Now, here's the thing. Am I right? You better believe it. You better believe it. Do I have a good reason to be upset? Oh, yeah. If I get into an argument about this situation, I have 532 reasons why I'm right. Now, watch this. This is when... My maturity is now being judged. Is it really about the nails? Is it about the nails? The truth is, it's not about the nails. It could be about the nails. I can say, it's about the nails, it's about my kids, it's about my nails, the kids, the kids, the nails, the kids, the nails. Uh, it's not about the nails. Watch what happens. When I am praying and I get dialed in and I'm, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I thank you that I'm healthy. I thank you that there's nobody in the hospital. And usually when I have my best best prayer times, it's just a whole bunch of thank yous. Thank you that nobody in my family is in the hospital right now. Do you know what I start thinking about? Man, that contractor, he did a really good job job yeah I got a box full of nails but man that guy did a really good job and all of a sudden my emotions begin to go down see this is what happens when I don't pray that dirt bag contractor that's the voice in my mind this is what happens when I am praying it gets muffled that dirt and the more I pray, I'm And that's what happens. The mature people back up and go, look, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I spoke as a child. I even reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And we begin to start operating more and more mature. Now, somebody out here, you may say, Frankie, you can sue that guy. And don't think I didn't think about that. But at the same time, do you know we have a new problem every single day? Every day we have a new problem. It's not about the nails. It's how do we handle nails? How do we handle nails? How do we handle them? It's about maturity. We got to rise above it. So here we go. Number three. There's a creator. 
Now, when I talk about creating, I want to talk about with this one who creates something out of nothing. Um, A person who built a house, they did not create the house. They took rocks, they put them together, and they built a house. They didn't create the house, they built the house. Very big difference. They may have designed the floor plan, but they did not create the rocks. They used the rocks. And so a creator, only God is a creator. Now watch this. This is one of my favorite scriptures we'll ever read together. I know I say that every Sunday, but work with me. Verse 5. After all, who is Apollos? Apollos was a, a local preacher. Who is Paul? He's talking about himself. He's a preacher. We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. 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 It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Look at the person next to you and say, God makes seed grow. Tell them again. Did you say, did you hear that? Say, did you hear that? Did you hear that? God makes seed grow. Do you know that the Bible does not say that God sows seed? He doesn't sow seed. We sow seed. God makes it grow. Here's the thing. I like having green grass in my yard. Love it. About every other summer, I get green grass. I don't know what happens on the off summer, but it just doesn't work out. But I put uh, fertilizer in there. I put water in there. And then I back up and I just watch. Let's see how this works. Isn't it amazing that trees, oh, you got to have soil. You got to have sunlight. At the end of the day, you can have all the right ingredients in place. But at the end of it all, you back up and you go because only God makes things grow I don't know what you need to grow in your life but your role and my role with the situations in my life is to put seed into the relationship into the situation into it and then you back up and go I need to see some growth I I distinctly remember many times in my life hoping for a raise or hoping for a better job well you can't make an employer give you a raise you can't make somebody hire you 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 can't do that but you can do everything that you know how to do and when there's a relationship in your life that stinks you sow and then back up and see what God does you know um, uh, I got a paper airplane has anyone here ever thrown a paper airplane at somebody's head go ahead don't do it but if you ever do it's fun (laughs) Um, imagine this Imagine you and I um, are on a boat, and um, we see an island. Um, And we're out in the ocean somewhere, so work with me here. We're deep in the ocean. We see an island, and we go up to that island. And when we get up to the island, we say to each other, I think that we are the only human beings to ever be on this island. I think we're the only intelligent beings that have ever been here. And we start looking at each other going, wow, 
We're the first human beings to ever be on this island. And then while I'm saying that, you look over my shoulder and you see a paper airplane sitting on a rock. Now, what do you think? Let me hear you. What do you think? We're not the only one. Somebody's been here before us. Somebody might be here right now. That's what you start thinking, right? Why is it that we, it's impossible for a paper airplane to just all of a sudden appear? But for so many, it's not impossible for the whole universe to just appear. Did you guys get that? People who don't believe in God believe that the universe, something happened and it just appeared. But yet when I stand in a room full of people and say, imagine a paper airplane just appeared. No, that's impossible. So it's impossible for a paper airplane, a paper airplane. That is impossible. A brain. Now that's possible. Planets. Oh, that's possible. Animals. That's absolutely possible. But not a paper airplane. Oh, no, that's impossible. Isn't that crazy? The reality is this, that there is a creator that made everything and he makes seeds grow. He pulls trees out of the ground. Have you ever noticed that a pine tree goes straight up, but an oak tree goes out like this? It's kind of wrangly. It kind of goes out like this. You know what I'm talking about? Put your hands in the air if you know what I'm talking about. It kind of goes out like this. Have you ever wondered why an oak tree, the branches just go out like this? Here's the reality. You walk into a forest and you look at oak trees and go, why are the branches going out like that? Do you know what those branches are doing? They're fighting for sunlight. It's a crowded forest and they're moving and they're trying to find sunlight. It moves to find sunlight. And that's why it's so wrangly like that. It finds sunlight. And then once it finds sunlight, it stops going out and starts going up. The reality is this, is that there's a creator of the world that made everything. And the more it pursues, the more it grows. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, you water and you plant and you do the best you can. But at the end of the day, God's the one that makes it grow. I don't know what you need to grow in your life, but maybe you came here not to hear four preaching points, but just to hear point number three. And that is, when you're doing your best, don't beat yourself up because it's not growing. That's like kicking yourself because your grass isn't growing. You watered, you fertilized, you can't go, grow. But God can. But God can. God can. Last and final point. He starts talking about wise people. He says this in verse 10. Because God's grace is on me. Now let me say this. What is the definition of a wise person? Like how do you determine you're wise, you not so much? How do you? <laughs> how do you define who's wise and then who's uh, you're not so much? 
Wise people, well, listen to this. Wise people see beyond appearances. That's my definition of wise. Let's say a husband and a wife, they walk into a marriage and family counselor's office. They sit down and the wife looks at the husband and says, this is a jerk. And the the husband looks at the wife and says, she's a jerk. And the counselor will go, okay, well, now that we have that established, let's begin to be wise. Let's begin to see what else is going on here. And valuable people at companies see what else is going on. And the more you see, the more valuable you are. I have a, a friend of mine. I hope I don't butcher, butcher this. Uh, he works for Exxon, and, and I was telling him, you're a brilliant guy. He goes, no, I'm not. I'm actually at the bottom half of my group. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, everybody at Exxon is ranked. So technically, I'm not even in the top half. Really? Wow. If you're not in the top half, I'm not allowed in the parking lot. (laughs) You know how they determine who's in the top half or number one or number two or whatever that scale looks like? You know what they determine? Is the person who sees more of what is not obvious. The person who sees more of what is not obvious. So the person that goes, this is a mess. Okay, well, we got that. Can you see what's not obvious? What's not obvious? And how can we fix it? And what's good about that? That person is wise. So watch this. In verse number 10 of chapter 3, Because God's grace is on me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. He's saying, when you build your life, I want you to build it just like a builder builds a house and be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. So if you're building a house, you could use hardy plank, you could use brick, you could use stucco. But this is what he's saying. He's saying in this word picture, you could use gold, silver, or jewels, or you can use wood hay or straw and he goes of these six building materials this is how God is going to determine whether you've built wisely or not he's going to take all of that you've done in your life and he's going to lay it on an altar and he is going to judge what has value and what doesn't what has value and what doesn't Here are the things that will have eternal value. Number one, there's three of them. What you do for the local church. How involved you are, how you help. Some of you may be saying, ah, you're saying that because you're a preacher. Yes and no. It's my job to read the scriptures. And the scriptures say this, those who are planted 
in the house of God will flourish in the courts of the Lord. If this place, if the local church is important to you and you show up and you're a part of the family, you are planted in the house of God. When you stand before the Lord, that's going to be a flourishing moment. Number two is your investment into people. People in this room, people that you work with, people that are on your street. The Bible says that we have 10,000 teachers, especially in Texas. I think everybody gets 20,000. You ever meet a good blue blood Texan that knows everything? (laughs) Come on, they know everything. It's like, you know everything. You know, have you ever fished with a person that knows everything or played golf with a person that knows everything? It's just like, peace, I'm out. They know everything. You have 10,000 teachers, the Bible says, but you have not many fathers. You know what a father is or a mother is? Has nothing to do with your age. It's when you look at somebody and you say, I'm going to heaven one day and you are coming with me. Even if I got to drag you there, you're coming with me. Your investment into people. And then last but not least, when I think of jewelry, I think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I got a phone call the other day. I was at the movies with Pastor Lance. We went to go see a movie. I can't remember what it was. We got out of the movies. I got in the car, and it was a good movie. We were laughing about it, and I reached in the console uh, to find out if I missed any text messages. And I got a text message. I was a, a youth pastor for 10 years. My wife and I were before we started this church. Um, and I got a youth pass, uh, a, a text message from this girl. And she said, Pastor Frankie, um, do you remember Jamie Lynn Hall? She was in your youth group at Lakewood. She was in a car accident last night and died. She's 25 years old. This happened a week ago, two weeks ago. I said, oh my, oh my goodness. Lance said, what what happened? So I tried to tell him and my brain was all over the place and I just drove home quiet and dropped him off and just sat in my living room. My wife and kids were in Canada and I just, oh my goodness. Evidently a 16 wheeler came over and didn't see her and I went to her funeral. Listen to this. There were nearly 3,000 people there. I walked in and went, are you kidding me right now? 3,000? So... I haven't seen her in years. I was sitting to the side and I was listening to family members come up and talk about her. Do you know what she did? She was never married. But from the time that she graduated high school at 18 to the time that she went to go see Jesus at 25, she had been on multiple, multiple missions trips. And she had this mentality 
that while she was at home, she would stay on the missions trip. It would just, she would be reaching people here instead of in Africa. And somewhere along the line, I learned this recently about her, is that she was reading the Bible and she noticed that Jesus said yes to healing people that were sinful. He said yes to being kind to people that didn't deserve it. He said yes to being merciful. And so she lived her life with this mentality of yes. Yes, you're first. Yes, I'll worship you with my whole heart. Yes, I will pray every day. Yes, I'll serve people. She was a ball, she, she worked in the bookstore at her church. Yes, yes, yes. Now, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with tattoos. I'm not saying I like tattoos, and I'm not saying I don't like tattoos. This has nothing to do with tattoos. But after the funeral, people started getting the tattoo of yes at different places on their body. Yes, 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 yes. This 25-year-old girl making no more than $20,000 a year, committing her life to just walking around, investing in the people, and 3,000 people show up to her funeral. And that didn't include any of the children that she used to go visit in Guatemala or in Africa. None of those. That's just here. expert builder she was an expert builder I'm sharing this message with you today because we are in a culture and we are in a world where people are looking for answers and direction and everyone in here has three or four people in your life right now that listen to you more than anyone else You have influence. God has given you a position. You have a great responsibility and he gave it to you because he loves you and he believes in you and he's forgiven you of every sin you've ever done because he loves you and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. The Bible says his mercy is new and fresh every morning. Do you know what that means? That means you buy a gallon of milk, you pour yourself a bowl of cereal, you put the milk back in the refrigerator, you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, you open the refrigerator, and the milk has, is a full gallon of milk again. That's right. Let's stand to our feet for me. Give the Lord a standing ovation. Would you do that? Absolutely. Give him a standing ovation. Come on, give it to him. He... He deserves a good applause. Lord, we love you. Come on. Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.